0: Welcome, everyone, to Celtic Preacher Podcast 38. We spend a lot of time figuring out why things happen, don't we? Particularly troubling things. We spend a lot of time wondering about things, you know. Why unwelcome events happen to us, or sickness, or why would somebody say that? Why would somebody do that? Why did this happen? You know, why did I lose my job? Or why did it my house foreclose? Or why did I get sick? Or, or you'll hear people look upon others' misfortune and you'll hear people say things like, oh, she was such a wonderful person. She really didn't deserve all that suffering. She never hurt anyone her whole life. Why, do, why does she have to suffer this way? And we try and make sense out of pain. We try to figure out tragedy and get a handle on it. We try and figure things out in our minds so that we can live with the unpredictability of life. Maybe a sudden death of someone or a natural disaster or some violent act and all the horrors of the world. I mean, it just reminds us of how vulnerable we are, doesn't it? How are we to live in such an unsafe world. Well our passage today addresses this and Jesus gives an answer of sorts but as usual it's not the answer that we would expect. So we're looking today at why do bad things happen? Why do unwelcome things come to us? And we're looking at a passage, a short passage, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 13. And what had happened was, is that some people had gone to the temple, the church of the day, to worship, and they had been killed by the Roman army, the the ancient Roman army, the occupying forces of the land. Some people had gone to the temple, they were worshipping God, and they'd been killed. I mean, how awful is that? The temple of all places. And when the local people hear about this, they go to Jesus and they tell Jesus about this horrible tragedy that had happened. And implicit in their asking or telling Jesus about this horrible thing that had happened, they're kind of asking, you know, why didn't God protect them? Right? Doesn't the scripture say that God protects us? I mean, don't we count on this? You know, you go on a flight and you pray for protection and travels and... Help, help me when I travel. Help me, help, or your family, help them to be safe, God, or, or people who are going in for surgery and sickness, any kind of crisis. Oh, protect us, protect us. Well, just an, a note on protection before we look at this text further. It's, and we know this from our own personal experience as we know most spiritual things are from our own personal experience if it rings true it's true god's protection isn't some sort of magical force field or an invisible wall of sorts right in other words it's not a guarantee nothing well nothing bad will ever happen to us god's protection doesn't work that way Just because we ask for protection or pray for protection doesn't mean that everything's going to be smooth and everything's fine and we never have to be concerned about anything, right? We know this from our experience. God's protection works differently. So it's not some kind of invisible wall around us. But God's protection, well, sometimes it looks like peace in the midst of despair. Sometimes God's protection is an ending because something new lies ahead. Sometimes God's protection is a no when we want a yes. Sometimes God's protection is stop and circumstances will force us to stop when we want to push ahead. So God's protection, as Isaiah the prophet very poetically says in chapter 41 don't fear I'm with you don't, don't be dismayed for I'm your God and I'm going to strengthen you and I'm going to help you and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand so really God's protection is whatever happens whatever we go through I'm with you That's really the way that God's protection works. I'm with you. Now, back to our passage here. Some people went to church, and the local oppressive occupying forces came in and killed them. Verse 1. Some people told Jesus about Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So we have a glimpse into what the crowd's thinking here by Jesus' response. A tragedy happened, people were killed in the temple, God didn't stop it. Well, what does that mean? Well, they're thinking it must—it must, it, 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 they must have done something wrong. I mean, it must be from God. I wonder what they did to deserve such a fate. Now, crude as this sounds, this is a very common way Of understanding life and God. It's very common. Jesus wouldn't agree with it, however, but it's very common. If I'm good, if I do my best, uh, I'll be happy and, and things will go well. And if I'm bad, if I'm not good, bad things will happen to me. It's kind of a way of thinking that um, attributes everything to God. It's certainly the way the people in Jesus' generation viewed life. All the good stuff comes from God. All the bad stuff comes from God. Everything comes from God. This was their OS. This was their operating system. If I'm good or try to be, good will come. If I'm bad, well, it's going to catch up with me. And uh, Jesus is saying, hmm. That's, that's inadequate that's an inadequate way of thinking about suffering and god god doesn't work that way god doesn't pay back or get people when they're out of line it doesn't quite work that way now there is certainly the concept in the new testament that you reap what you sow or simply put, there are consequences in regard to choices, right? You can read about that in Galatians 6. But that's a little bit different from Jesus' first listeners' understanding because they're thinking bad things come, unwelcome things come from the hand of God because suffering is a form of punishment. Jesus is saying no, no. Suffering is not A punishment from God. Because God doesn't operate that way. Now, sin has consequences. Bad choices have consequences, right? Other people's choices can cause a lot of suffering. No doubt we've all experienced this too. Someone else uh, has behaved in a particular way that's caused us a lot of harm right? Their, their behavior has consequences. It's hurt us. So certainly there's fallout in that way. But Jesus is also teaching here, suffering is not from the hand of God. It's not like some sort of punishment. God doesn't sit around thinking, okay, how can I get her back for this? Because she's really messed up here. So what Jesus does in this passage is he listens to their comments. He listens to the people who coming in and saying, Hey, Jesus, that some people were just killed in the temple. And he listens to them trying to reason things out. And they're reasoning things out and they're figuring, Well, the reason that they got killed in the temple was because they were sinners. They did something really, really wrong. They must have broken God's law. They did something terribly wrong. Otherwise, you know, that's the punishment. They had it coming to them, we'd say. They didn't follow the rules, so that's what happens. Now, listen to what Jesus says in verse 2. Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were worse sinners than some of all the other Galileans? He says, no, no. They're no worse than anybody else. They're no worse than everybody, anybody else. Verse 3. They're no worse, and this is the surprising line, but unless you repent, you will perish as they did. Interesting line. Unless you repent, the word repent means change your thinking, turn around. Unless you change your thinking, you'll end up dying as they did. Now, Let's break this down a little bit. Jesus takes this occasion of a local disaster, a tragedy that happened in life, and then he starts to speak to the people about another tragedy that can happen to them unless they change the way that they're thinking. It's like you can waste your life now before you die. Now, this isn't something that kicks in after you die. He's speaking about the present tense. Unless you change the way you're thinking today, you can die. In other words, you can live, you can think you're living life, but you can really be dying. In other words, you're missing out. You can waste your life. We know this, right? We all have met people, we look on their lives, we look on their choices and we think, what a wasted life. Why are they doing this? You can waste your life. You can, you can lose your soul. You can, you can miss glorious opportunities. You can live your life, get to the end of your life and not really have lived. Jesus is saying, yeah, unless you repent, unless you turn around, which means face the other way. It's like the 180 degree turn. You could end up dying too. Now, we've seen this. We know people. We watch people, you know, facing the wrong direction. And we think, what a wasted life. Their soul, their person who never really flourishes and grows and blooms and they get stuck. And we think, what a tragic waste. Jesus speaks about this kind of living hell a lot. This, what he calls perishing. He talks about this quite a bit. So his listeners are all wondering why this awful thing happened. It must be from the hand of God. It must be some sort of punishment. And Jesus is saying, like, never mind that. Wake up. Yes, life is short. And yes, it's fragile. And yes, it's unpredictable. And yes, we're vulnerable. And bad things happen. So given these facts, how will you live today? Given this reality... How will you live today? So he sort of brings it right back to challenge us. And there's kind of good news and bad news, or maybe it's both good news. But the good news is, is that people's misfortune are not to tie to their behavior in the sense that God punishes people. Because he's saying God doesn't operate that way. It's people that operate that way. People are into revenge People are into payback. People are into getting even. That is certainly not God's way. Uh, Misfortune doesn't come to you because of a lack of goodness, in other words. In fact, Jesus would say, well, (laughs) why would anything good happen to anyone then? Because nobody's perfect, right? That's the first part of the teaching. And then the second part is he's saying, however, and this is the challenging part, unless you change your ways, you could die too. It's like while you're assigning blame as to why this happens or why this doesn't happen, your own life is in jeopardy of falling and failing. He's saying you're off track. The way This way of thinking isn't helpful. It's it's wrong. You're concentrating on the wrong things. Your assumptions are wrong. And you're off track. Yeah, I mean, it's like unwarranted assumptions prohibit insight. Assumptions are are really quite deadly. They get in the way all the time. Uh, Whether we're assuming things about ourselves or others' approval of us or why someone said this or why someone did this and whether it's in our personal relationships, in the family or in the business, assumptions, they stop further insight in its tracks. Far, far better to ask questions and clarify rather than make assumptions. That's why Jesus had no time for assumptions, he has no time for judgment, he has no time for blame. Why? It's because Jesus said, you don't know why people do what they do. You can't see the inside, you can't see what's going on inside someone's head. You can't be completely accurate. You don't know who's to blame and why. Why? Now, it doesn't mean, of course, that we can't use our discernment and our common sense, but Jesus does warn often, don't make assumptions about people. And that includes ourselves. Don't presume you know why they are the way they are, why they suffer, or why they make particular choices. If you're doing that, you'll not have any insight. You're just going to stay stuck. Thinking the way you're presently thinking. I mean, it really is quite a challenge, isn't it? Because from our own interpersonal relationships to international politics, people love to point the finger at someone else and figure out the answer. And Jesus is saying that attitude or that behaviour, it's not helpful. Actually he would he would be stronger than that. He'd say that leads to death. You'll die while you're living because you won't have abundant life. So rather than concentrate upon yourself and your responses and your in, in, uh, inward attitudes, think about that. Rather than assigning blame, rather than trying to figure other people out, look at yourself, look at your own responses, your, your own inward attitudes. Yeah, it's like how about being true to yourself? How about living with integrity? How about living with courage? How about going Jesus' way? Assigning blame is strangely satisfying at one level and deadening at another level. So Jesus uses this question, why did this tragedy happen to people? And he turns it around and he uses it as an opportunity to move us to consider changing the way we think about the challenges of life. Whether it's suffering or whether it's conflict, there's a really quite a profound, helpful, spiritual lesson here. It can really help us as we face challenges of various kinds. And it doesn't matter what the challenge is, whether it's dealing with uh, conflict in the family or trying to understand your spouse or your partner or your children or trying to handle a problem at work or how to relate to friends, all the way to international relationships. Figuring out the problem by assigning blame, making assumptions, Jesus would say, deadening, deadening, you will perish. It's not going to lead anywhere helpful at all. Turn away from that. Of course, turn away, you know, the Bible language is repent. Change your thinking. It's not the place to center your thoughts. Making assumptions. It's not the place to center your thoughts. Repent from that, I'd "Get That's not going to help you any at all. It doesn't help at all. Don't get too attached to blame because you get stuck there. Yeah, unproductive thinking. It, unproductive thinking is asking the wrong questions. That's what's happening in this passage, I think. It's asking the wrong questions. Why did bad things, why does this happen, why does that? No, Jesus is saying, that's, you're going down the wrong path. You're going down the wrong path. Well, I know why this happened, because they said, no, 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 that's going down the wrong path. Have you noticed how predictable our, our thinking patterns are? Well, repentance interrupts the pattern, because you're turning away from it. It's like Jesus is saying, now don't, don't go down that road again because you know where that leads. Choose a more helpful way of thinking. Then there's the heart cry. There's the prayer. There's the prayer. God, help me, help me to stop assuming and, and help me to think about this challenge that I'm facing in a new way. Help me to turn around so that your wisdom becomes clear, and that your wisdom's first, and that my assumptions are put to the side. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.